0: Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton.
1: We are to dwell with our wives with knowledge, that we're to give honor to our wives, and if we don't dwell with them according to knowledge, and we don't give honor to them, that we're in honor, it means to value, we're to value our wives above everything else, esteem our wives above everything else, except for Jesus Christ. He says if we're not doing that, our prayers are hindered. God's not going to answer your prayers you can pray and ask God, Lord, will you do this, Lord, will you do that, God's going to say, why don't you go talk to your wife?
0: All throughout the world, the ordinance of marriage is being attacked and destroyed. Whatever God calls good, the devil tries to pervert and call bad. Today, as Pastor Dan continues his teaching series through the book of 1 John, he'll be exhorting wives to submit to their own husbands and exhorting husbands to dwell with their wives with understanding. The Lord makes it clear to the husbands that if they don't value their wives and if they don't seek to live harmoniously, their prayers will be hindered. And now, open your Bibles to the book of 1 John chapter 5 as we join Pastor Dan for today's edition of Ring of Truth.
1: that the apostle Paul said pray without ceasing is not to make us feel guilty because we have a lousy prayer life we don't pray as much as we should when Jesus said men ought always to pray the reason he said that is because God hears our prayers and he gives us the things that we ask you have this resource I have this resource available to us all the time that's why you ought always to pray because it it benefits you and it blesses you and it's available to you, God of the universe. You know, the Chick-fil-A up the street here, if every day at lunchtime they gave away a free lunch plus $100 cash to anyone who came there to eat lunch every day, guess where I'm eating lunch every day? Chick-fil-A. And guess what I'm going to tell you? You ought always go to (laughs) Chick-fil-A for lunch. Not not as a yoke, not as a burden, but because of the blessing of it. Because of how it benefits you. And here the God of the universe. The one who made the, the stars in the sky and the moon and the sun and keeps all of the planets spinning in their orbit. The God of the universe. When it comes to prayer, the God of the universe promises to hear us and give us what we ask And again, that should motivate us to pray, to pray a lot, to pray about everything. But notice, though, that this promise is conditional. Don't miss the condition here. The condition is if we ask according to his will. So our prayers have to be according to his will. God's not going to give us just anything that we ask for. It's not like God just gives us his credit card and says, buy whatever you want. It's fine with me. I don't care. we have to pray according to his will. Think about how how did Jesus teach us to pray, right? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus said we have to pray according to God's will, seeking God's will in our prayer. When you see Jesus in Gethsemane praying the night before his crucifixion, do you remember what he said? He he petitioned the Father. He, He said, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Speaking of the the cross, but then he said, Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He prayed for the Father's will to be done, ultimately. And our prayers for God to hear them and grant them to us. They have to be according to his will. He's not going to grant to us something that is contrary to his will, or contrary to his nature, or contrary to his his culture, his his character, sorry. In fact, look over at verse fourteen again. Verse 14 implies here that God only hears our prayers that are according to His will, and He doesn't hear our prayers that are not according to His will. And I I don't know how that works. I don't know how He doesn't hear our prayers. I I know sometimes, um, sometimes when my children are playing in the house and I can overhear them, And what their plans are. I'll give you an example. My one son has a bow and arrow. And I heard my son's planning on going in the basement and shooting the bow and arrow in the basement. I heard that. And my response as their father was, I know I didn't hear you just say that you're going to go in the basement and shoot your bow and arrow. I know I didn't hear that. I don't know if it's something like that. Maybe God. I I know I didn't hear you just ask for that. Or maybe he just ignores it. I, I, I don't know. But it, it, somehow he doesn't hear, maybe he just ignores our prayers that are not according to his will. Which I would say is a good thing. <laughs> because I, I don't know about you, but I suspect you're like me. Sometimes I ask for things that aren't according to his will. That are according to my will. Sometimes in prayer I tell God what I think he should do or what I think would be best. And I'm glad that he just ignores those prayers and acts like he doesn't hear them. Aren't you glad? I mean, just imagine if God did give you all the things you ever asked of him. I mean, think about how messed up your life would be, you know, who you'd be married to, or where you'd be living, or what you'd be doing. I'm glad that he ignores the prayers that aren't according to his will. But when we do pray according to his will, Lord, Lord, help me forgive this person. Lord, help me to honor you in this situation. Lord, help me to glorify you in this trial. Lord, make me more like you. Lord, give me patience. Lord, help me to have self-control in this area of my life. Now, those are prayers according to his will. And when we pray according to his will, the promises he hears us and we have the petitions that we ask of him. He it like, I'll grant that one. I'll be happy to answer that for you. I'll do that. Now, is there ever a time when we pray according to his will and our prayers are not answered? The answer is yes, there are. There are times when we pray according to his will, but he doesn't answer us. And I want to give you four verses here that we're going to look at together so you can see them in your Bible. Uh, First one's in Psalm 66. Psalm 66. So there are times when we can pray according to His will. This is what God would want, but He doesn't answer. Psalm 66, verse 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the idea there is if I cherish sin in my heart, the Lord's not going to hear. Even if I'm praying according to His will. If I'm cherishing sin in my life, well, I'm allowing it to continue, I'm not repenting of it or turning from it, the Lord's just not going to hear. Uh, the second verse, turn with me over to um, First Peter chapter 3, verse 7. So this is a verse for uh, husbands. So if your husband's asleep, elbow him <laughs> in the ribs. Wake up. First Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them, with your wives, with understanding or knowledge, giving honor to the wife, As to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, look what it says that your prayers may not be hindered. That your prayers may not be hindered. Husbands, it's telling us that we are to dwell with our wives with knowledge, that we're to give honor to our wives. And if we don't dwell with them according to knowledge and we don't give honor to them, that we're in honor, it means to value. We're to value our wives. Above everything else, esteem our wives above everything else except for Jesus Christ. He says, if we're not doing that, our prayers are hindered. God's not going to answer your prayer. You can pray and ask God, Lord, will you do this? Lord, will you do that? God's going to say, why don't you go talk to your wife? Why don't you go pray with her? (laughs) Third verse, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. Jesus speaking here. He says, therefore... If you bring your gift to the altar, which would be at the temple there in Jerusalem in Jesus' day, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. So he says here, if if you bring your gift to God and there you know, as you're there at the altar when you're here in worship or as you're in prayer or in your quiet time reading the Bible in the morning and as you're there before the Lord trying to worship, if there, you know, the Holy Spirit kind of taps you on the shoulder and brings to mind someone that you've wronged in some way, you're to go and be reconciled with that person. And then you can come back and you can... Have fellowship with God. Now, don't you know? Sometimes this verse really uh, overwhelms people because they think maybe you've got a whole long list of people in your life that you've burned, and you think, "Man, I'm—I'll spend the rest of my life trying to mend these relationships." Well, it's when you're at the altar, it's when you're in that time of prayer, and you're that time of communion with the Lord. It's at that time if the Holy Spirit brings someone to your remembrance. And that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you, to go and be reconciled with that person first. Then you can come, and now you've got communion with the, with the Father. You've got communion with the Lord. But if you don't, if you, go, if you just ignore that conviction of the Holy Spirit, and you don't go and be reconciled, well, your, your communion with God is going to be hindered here. Final verse for you, John chapter, John chapter 15, verse 7. Jesus, again speaking, he says, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. If you abide in me, and if my word abides in you, ask what you desire, and it will be done for you. or by calling us at 410-491-4592. And can I ask you to pray for us as well? Pray for the Ring of Truth Radio Ministry as we bring the Word of God to those who need it.
0: Thanks, Pastor Dan, and thank you for praying. Now, let's finish today's message.
1: If you're not abiding in Christ as you should be, or you're not really abiding in the Word, but then you ask something, He may not do it for you. Because your your relationship with Him isn't what it should be. And that's why He's not answering. So you see here these four examples where we could pray according to His will, but our prayers are not answered. And if our prayers that are according to His will are not answered, it, it could be, well, it could be because we're not abiding in Him the way we should be. It's, it could be because we're not abiding in His Word and obeying His Word the way that we should be. It, it could be that um, maybe there's people that, we should be trying to reconcile with and relationships we should be trying to mend. And we know that we should, but we've just been putting that off and ignoring it. Or there could be problems in our marriage that we've ignored that need to be addressed. Or it could be that we have some sin in our life that we need to repent of. And these things will hinder God from answering your prayer, keep God from answering your prayers. Now, go back to First John chapter 5. Verse 16, he gives us kind of a, a practical application here of what he just told us in verses 14 and 15 about asking according to God's will, and he hears us and he answers us. In verse 16, he says, if anyone sees his brother sinning, a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask, and he will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. Now, what does that mean, a sin not leading to death? Well, if you look at verse 16 again, John is, is, says, if you see a brother, meaning a fellow believer in Jesus Christ, so this person's a, a, a believer, if you see a fellow believer sinning, and that word sinning there, it's in the present tense, it's talking about a continual sin or habitual sin, ongoing sin in their life, but they're a believer, a person who is a believer in Jesus Christ, they have eternal life. They already have eternal life. So their sin isn't a sin that leads to spiritual death. They already have eternal life, but their sin, this habitual sin in their life, it will keep them from having an abundant life in Christ. It will keep them from having the fullness of life that Jesus Christ offers us. And John says, when you see that fellow believer ensnared in some kind of habitual sin, if you ask, if you pray for them and ask, God will give him life. God will deliver him. So you can pray for them. Galatians 6, one also instructs us to go to that brother, or that sister that you see in sin and come alongside them and help them to get out of it. It says to consider yourself also because but for the grace of God you could be just as easily ensnared by some sin in your life. So we pray for them and we go to them and we help them to get free of that sin. But then he goes on in verse 16 and, and I like what he does here. He makes a distinction between Um, sin that does not lead to death for the believer. But then in verse 16, he tells us there is sin leading to death. I don't say that he should pray about that. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is sin not leading to death. So there is sin not leading to death. That could be sin that's in a believer's life. But then he says, but there is sin that leads to death. And what is the sin that leads to death? It's rejecting Jesus Christ. It's rejecting Jesus Christ. Refusing to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Refusing to believe that Jesus is the Savior that God sent into this world to save mankind from his sin. This is what Jesus called in the Gospels the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. When you refuse to believe that Jesus Christ was sent for your salvation, you reject him as Savior, reject him as Lord. That's the only sin the Bible says that God does not forgive. Every other sin, it doesn't matter how bad it is or how long you do it for, every other sin God will forgive, but that one He will not forgive. If you reject His Son, His only means of salvation that He offers to man, that's the sin that leads to spiritual death and separation from God. If you remember back in verse 11 from last week, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and look what it says, And this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. So that's the sin that leads to death. Not having the Son, not having Jesus Christ, not putting your faith and trust in Him. He goes on in verse 18, And we know that whoever is born of God does not sin. And again, this is talking about continual sin or a lifestyle of sin. Whoever is born of God does not live or continue in a lifestyle of of sin. Now look, but he who has been born of God keeps himself or keeps him. So in here, the word he, it's speaking of Jesus. Jesus keeps us and protects us, he keeps him, and the wicked one does not touch him. I call this the MC Hammer verse. Can't touch this, right? <laughs> so Jesus keeps us. Those of us that are believers that have trusted him. Jesus keeps us and protects us. First 1 Peter 1, 1.5 says we are kept by the power of God. Kept. And the wicked one does not touch us. If you're a note taker, that word touch there, it means to lay hold of or cling to or to latch on to. The only other place that John uses this verb touch is in his gospel in John chapter 20, verse 17, after the resurrection, when Mary sees Jesus resurrected, and remember, she latches onto him, and Jesus says, Don't cling to me, Mary. Remember that? That's the same word. Don't cling to me. That's the idea here. Because we are born of God, what a promise this is. We are kept by God, and Satan can't cling to us like he used to do before we knew the Lord. We're free of his claws. He can't latch on to us like he once did. He can harass us, he can trouble us, but he can't cling to us. Verse 19, here's something else that we know. We know that we are of God. We know this. And the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. We know this. (laughs) And, verse 20... We know, here's something else that we know, that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding that, here's here's what He wants us to understand, that we may know Him who is true. The Son of God, that's Jesus, by His grace has given us understanding so that we can know the true God. Follow that? He's opened our eyes so that we can know the true God. Now, look carefully at what John says next in verse 20. And we are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Who is the true God and eternal life? Jesus Christ, according to John. Jesus Christ is the true God. That's what John says. Jesus Christ is the true God and that means every other god is a false god. Jesus is the true God. He's the one and only. And then finally in verse 21 he says, "Little children, keep yourselves from idols." <laughs> and we read verse 21 and you think, well, "What is why that seems kind of out of place? Why does he end it with that? It doesn't make sense. Why does he say that at the very end of his letter?" Well, actually it it, it really is fitting that he ends it that way. Holy Spirit knows what he's doing when he writes this. What's an idol? And when we hear the word idol, we think of you know the little statues of wood or gold and people bowing down to them or something like that. Uh, but an, an idol is simply anything that replaces God in your life. Anything that replaces God in your life. It doesn't have to be a statue. Anything that replaces God in your life. And he tells us here, John says to us, We know the true God, Jesus Christ. Keep yourself from anything that might replace the true God in your life. You know the true God. He's been revealed to you. He's given you eternal life. You know the true God, Jesus Christ. Keep yourself from anything that might take the place of Jesus in your life. And again, that can be anything. It can be your career where that becomes your God. Money can become your God. A hobby can become your God. A relationship. Anything that becomes the most important thing in your life. Whatever that thing is, that's that's your God. And here John ends this letter by telling us you have the truth. You know the true God, Jesus Christ. You have eternal life through him. Don't allow anything to replace that. What are you going to replace Jesus with, (laughs) really? And who else is going to give you eternal life? No one.
2: He asked me how I know, and I say, Rings truer than the finest crystal.
0: Thanks for joining Pastor Dan Sexton today to study the book of 1 John on Ring of Truth. This New Testament letter encourages its readers to grow in faith, to set aside personal agendas and unite in a pursuit of God's plans. The author wants those who follow Christ to experience Him fully, as well as experience the beautiful gift of a church community. Having a body of believers around you to support and encourage you in your personal walk with Christ is important. You'll also find that a body of believers is somewhere you can beat Jesus' hands and feet to others. Are you part of a church? If not, we want to encourage you to find one soon. If you're in the Baltimore, Washington area, you're invited to join us here at Calvary Chapel. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, just a few minutes from Route 95, Route 29, or Route 100. You can find out more at our website, calvaryec.com you can also give us a call for more information. Our phone number is 410-491-4592. That's 410-491-4592. We're honored to be able to share God's Word with you through each edition of Ring of Truth. If you'd like to listen to additional teachings from this series, you'll find them at calvaryec.com. That's all for now. Join us next time for more on Ring of Truth.
2: signs and I recognize her.